My name is Craig Nash, and we'd like to welcome you to another It's a Grand Life. And I think this is really going to be a blessing for you grandparents at home that are considering adopting your little grands. Uh, those that are, are e either living with you or you're thinking about having them come and live with you, because we've got an expert on adoption on our as our guest today, Sarah Harputlian, who is the adoption counselor from Christian Family Services here in Michigan. And I know we've got listeners all over the country, and uh, uh, but uh, Sarah has got a, a just an incredible knowledge of the whole process and I think you're going to learn something today. And Sarah, welcome so much to, uh, great to have you here on It's a Grand Life. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I've really enjoyed, I've, when you asked me to come, I went back and listened to a few episodes and I, I just really am so thankful for your heart that just wants to help people and wow. especially work through your pain by helping other people. Like that's such a sacrificial thing to do. Um, so it's been really interesting to listen and hear the guests that you've had and just hear your own story. Well, thank you. It's, uh, um, you know, I heard a, a sermon from uh, Pastor Rick Warren, who uh, from Saddleback, and he, unfortunately, he had had a son who committed suicide. And uh, um, and he and his wife said, you know, we're, we are not going to waste this pain. So he uh, he talked about that challenge, any opportunity he had. And he's really helped folks wrestling with behavioral health. And I just, you know, with the challenges that my wife and I have had with our daughter, with from a behavioral health and a substance abuse standpoint, um, you know, we we could sit home and and wallow in our hurt, but uh, um, it's it's our mission to be a blessing to others, and that's why it's a great life. And uh, um, and it's and we just we're getting great receptivity across the country, and and. Um, we're having great guests like yourself that want to come on and share their story. So uh, let, let's just get into the whole situation of adoption. And and Sarah, um, how did you get to Christian Family Services in uh, Southfield, Michigan? Uh, that's a wild, wild ride. Um, so I was working at a church and we just saw, um, I was working with high school students and we, I just saw an increase. Like I saw a love of our volunteer adult staff that was with us that just really wanted to connect with our students um but then i also saw kind of this gap of like things that these kids were experiencing in their lives and our like older adults like that were helping were just having difficulty like understanding what was happening in kids lives and the bigger our group got like the more like mental health challenges we were seeing or the more um uh social issues like honestly abuse like we saw abuse happening at every level um physical abuse sexual abuse um mental health abuse uh and so i just really wanted i wanted to go i love school anyway i'm an educator like my brain that's how i love to love on people is help educate people and so i wanted to go back to school so that i could learn how to love people better through the challenges that they were going through and so I went back to school, I did an online um, program um, and I got my counseling degree. But before I finished my counseling degree, I lost my church job. <laughs> and so I lost the thing that I was going back to school for. And I was like, Lord, what are you gonna do? What, what are we gonna do with this? Right. Um, I've been affiliate, like I had, I had known of, I'd actually, I had actually been to Christian Family Services myself. We are adoption and counseling. And so I had been 
myself like to Christian Family Services for counseling. Okay. And so I came back to them and I was like, hey, um, I've got this degree. I don't know what to do. Uh, do you need a counselor? And they were like, sure. So I started, I believe I started in 14, um, 2014 uh, as a therapist there doing individual therapy. And I was there um, for a couple years. Then I had my own life stuff that happened. And God honestly wrapped up all of my clients in a very neat way. And so that it felt very comfortable that I can say, okay, this is my break. Like this is what I was done. And as much as I love counseling for myself, like when I love going to counseling, I think everybody should have counseling <laughs> at some time in their life. But for me as a counselor, I did not love it. And I, I just- You love getting it, just not giving it. Exactly. It was very stressful for me. Like, uh, I'm like, oh, I, the paperwork part, like just the, the business of it like was really difficult to me. Right. I can talk and give people advice all the time. And I've had several times in my life where people are like, are you a counselor? I'm like, I am. <laughs> I am a counselor. So it, it's something I naturally do. I didn't like making it my profession. So it was very difficult for me. So then um, that led to me uh, being a stay-at-home mom. We had adopted. I'm an adoptive mom of two. Okay. My oldest is nine. He's in fourth grade, and he um, came to us at birth. He was born here in Michigan, and um, so I became a stay-at-home mom with him. And I immediately had to find some sort of Bible study with childcare, so we had a reason to get out of the house and be with other adults. It's a different world, uh, isn't it? Yep. Yes. Yes. Uh, and so we, uh, I did that, and then the Lord brought us the opportunity to adopt our youngest son from Jamaica. He just turned eight on Wednesday. Wow. And so that um, that all happened in that time. And so I was a stay-at-home mom. Um, and then my, my youngest went to preschool September of 19. And I was like, yes, awesome. Part-time job. Here I come. Like, I'm going to get out of the get out of the house, help with some bills here at the house. And I'm, this is going to be great. And so they, uh, he started September of 19 and I started putting out feelers and Christian family services was looking for someone to work on the adoption side of things. I'm like, I love this place. Like I love adoption. I don't, I felt like at the time, I'm like, I don't know anything about the other side of adoption. I just know about, about adopting. Um, they're like, you'll be fine. You can do it. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and so I came and met with them and it really did feel like a good fit. So I started uh, October, so four years ago, I started um, as an adoption worker for Christian Family Services. That's absolutely terrific. And <laughs> and uh, so you not only are a counselor, but uh, you've been through the adoption process twice. So you, you know it like the back of your hand, I'm sure. And <laughs> was there any... Um, any decision with uh, uh, with uh, Christian Family Services? What what how what was the decision like to focus on adoption? Was that always the mission, or were they looking at other focuses at the beginning, or or this just became such an issue that needed to be addressed that you know there's such a need here? Why don't we just focus on the adoption process? Yeah, so I wish I had like my my history book of Christian Family Services with me, but um, we started about 80 years ago. And it was a pastor from the west side of the state and his family. And I, I believe that um, he had two weeks pay to come over uh, to Detroit. And there was a group of pastors here that wanted to focus on mentoring um, young men in the city of Detroit. And so they started doing that and started mentoring. Um, and then at like 
they really just kept ministering to this population. And as they found needs in the community, they would um, kind of change <laughs> their mission to what they need. So they were mentoring these young men and then they were realizing, oh my gosh, they don't have homes to go back to. Like, how can we get them into like stable environments? And so, um, so like, I think, I think foster care like came out of that, but it was, um, I'm not quite sure on the timing of it, but they've, in their history, they've done foster care. They've, um, done adoption, uh, and then counseling. I'm not quite sure where counseling, I mean, counseling, like I said, everybody needs it, but like that mentorship, I think grew into like what we now see as our counseling side. That's just wild. So let, let's, yes. um, and yes. I, I, I agree with you. Everybody does need counseling, you know, as, as uh, my wife and I have navigated these, these waters of uh, uh, the situation with our daughter and our granddaughter, I'm, I'm very thankful for the counselor that we have who, uh, yes. um, who, by the way, was, just got back from being at the West Bank Yes. Just found out that uh, she uh, uh, is, is back in town as of yesterday. So, yes. Um, and so hopefully I'm all uh, on that trip as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Small world. Yeah. It's such a small world. So, tell our listeners how does the adoption process work? You know it, you've been through it twice. Um, you, you, one day you wake up with your wife and go, you know what? Let's just go down like we're going to the pet shop let's just pick out a, a nice uh child how does that work you know i think that's what people think adoption yep. is it's like it is like oh we just have a shelf of babies waiting for people and the reality is like the birth rate is down in all the world like it's down um the reality is that the stigma of being a single parent um not um, a single parent is not what it used to be um the stigma of abortion is not what it used to be. Um, there's access to better birth control. There's So there's a lot of reasons why adoption is down. Um, I I think there were a lot of agencies that thought COVID, like with everybody just being, you know, locked up together, that we were going to see this incredible boom of children um, available for adoption. And that, that has not been the case at all. Um, I think people... Uh, in, well, yeah, there, so there's not, there's not waiting children. If you're looking for a waiting children, like foster care is the way to go. But what Christian Family Services is like, um, we're what is known as a private adoption agency or um, like legally it's called direct placement infant adoption. And what that means is an expectant mom gets to choose who gets to parent her child. She understands that she can't do it or is not able to do it. Um, I have not met a mom yet who doesn't want to do it. I All the moms I've worked with deeply love the children that they have not met yet. Like they, this is difficult for them. So this mom comes and she learns, like I help educate her on what adoption is. And some, some moms, um, think that that is a really difficult decision. I try to be very honest with my moms about this is a lifelong decision that you're making. You're going to experience grief for the rest of your life in different forms. <laughs> like you're going to work through something and then something's going to happen in your child's life. Like they're one, they're one year birth, like one year, they turn one years old and they're like, oh my gosh, but I'm not there. Like I'm not, like there's just different grief at different stages that they have. And so I'm trying to explain this to mom because I'm trying, this is a very 
they're seeing a baby in front of them that they need to find a home for. And I'm trying to help them see the reality and the reality of what the decision that they're making. And some moms are like, did not think of it that way. This is too hard. I can't. And that's okay. Like I would rather a mom go, this is too hard. I can't do this. Cause I, a lifelong of grief, lifelong grief is not what I'm signing. I can't sign up for that. Right. Right. <laughs> um, then to come back to me after they've made a placement and said, you didn't tell me. I'm so like, I'm so upset that you didn't tell me how hard this was going to be. So cool. I really want moms to know. <laughs> how so hard. You, um, since you are very uh, client centered, if you yes. will, yes. Um, you don't care if you, if you talk them out of the adoption, you want what's best for the client. Yes, I do. My yep. my director often says I try to talk more people out of adoption than into adoption. <laughs> um, and I don't I'm I mean, she might not like that, but I'm I'm actually all about it. Like right. I um, and so and that's hard because we are like we are an organization that we do need to right. pay the bills and keep the lights on. But like God's going to provide that if we stay faithful to being honest with people and to treating them with dignity and respect and giving them all the information. Like that's what we, that's what we want to do. It's uh, so they make the best decision for themselves and their baby. And sometimes yeah. they go through with it and sometimes they don't, but you, you have a uh, peace when you're done with your job, right? It's, I do. I do. And there's a lot of joy in what I do. There's a lot of sorrow. Like adoption is, it starts with loss and brokenness. We, the training that I give um, our adoptive parents and our expectant parents, um, adoption is trauma. We are separating biology and that causes trauma. Like you, like you think about a baby who's in the womb and they hear right. that mom's heartbeat. They hear her lungs like making, like how she breathes. Um, they can like, they can hear like music that's being listened to and people that are being talked to. And then this child enters the world and a lot of times moms like sometimes moms don't hold the baby or um feed the baby or have any um, contact with the baby and so this baby goes into usually a nursery and gets all checked out and then if the adoptive parents are there that like it could be a couple hours after the child is born that's the first time someone is like holding them like um, and they 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 hear those voices and like this is not the person <laughs> their little bodies know like, that's not mom like that heartbeat doesn't sound the same these long like the, nothing feels familiar <laughs> um, wow. and their bodies know that and so infants grieve and that is part of what I teach my adoptive parents is like they they are grieving um, and so we want people to be again just educated on the process and so if adoption is trauma. And adoption is separation like we also want our adoptive parents to be educated on how they can be the best parent for a child going through trauma and that goes to the same with your audience like your kids your grands they've been separated from biology it might right. be um i mean they might see them every once in a while they it's a, it's different for everyone i know but that is still trauma for that child and so we want to have the things in place we want to have counselors and support um, because trauma can trauma can come in different forms. Like you can see the effects of trauma because they don't they don't have all the tools. Their brains are not fully developed 
to be able to tell you what's going on. So we often see behavioral issues in children with trauma. We often see um, developmental delays in children with trauma. And I mean, if there was any form of like substance use during like in utero substance exposure, um, that can that can also have an impact on behavior and right. um, uh, and processing like mental processing so or cognitive processing. So uh, I kind of I apologize. I forget what the question question was. I went off on a tangent, but nope. But um, it it just uh, it's so good. You're you, so you're transparent with the um, the birth mother and the adoptive mother and, and dad and um, so all the cards are on the table we're not holding anything back and we just want the best outcome for the whole family yes. unit and oh, that's right. you asked me about the process okay yes. so mom comes to me yes um so it, it's kind of happening happening um side by side like an adoptive fam a potential adoptive family comes to me they have to get a home study done um yeah. they are giving lots of information um to a stranger like financial information medical information um family origin like their origin their or their original family history like was there any trauma in their background like how did they work through that trauma um we talk about parenting experience we talk about like their marriage and the emotional stability that they have like are they able to care for a child with trauma in their home so they go through all of that um there are like so there's fees associated with the adoption or um the home study there's fees associated once a child is matched like they're matched with a mom um and then there's fees like uh it's called the placement fee once a child is placed in the home then there's another fee associated with all of the legal um the legal and the supervision because we have to come into a home monthly until the adoption is finalized to make sure everything is is going well um and make sure they listen to all the trainings <laughs> that I gave them. <laughs> well, that, so uh, it's smooth, the a smooth transition, right? That's what you want. That's what we want. And so we, and then if there are challenges, like we're there to also help with like, okay, like, like he's not sleeping or you're not sleeping or like you thought this is harder than you thought it was going to be. Like, so let's help work through this. So then on the uh, expectant parent side or the birth parent side, um, and we like to say that parents don't become birth parents until they put pen to paper, until they sign something that says, they are they are okay with their parental rights being terminated they're not they're not a birth parent until they do that and so they're just getting education they might keep saying that they're going to go that direction but they can change their mind right uh, at any point during that time the only time they can't change their mind is after their parental rights have been terminated so we say that they're not a birth parent until they agree to have their parental rights terminated and but they're driving the bus the whole time so they're choosing a family they are choosing which hospital they want to give birth they are choosing whether they want to name their child um they're choosing whether they want to hold feed see their baby at the hospital they're they're choosing whether they're going to, going to allow the adoptive parents into the hospital um if they can wait in a waiting room if they want them in the delivery room right uh, and i think tv that makes you think that they're, you're going to be in the delivery room as an adoptive parent i've I have never had that happen. <laughs> so TV has done a lot that's not helpful for adoption. Um, so once that makes the... so much sense. You know, if you're you're going through this trauma and you're about ready to give your baby to it, and you may love the the adoptive parents, that right. doesn't mean you want them in the delivery room. Yeah, right? no, I don't want them anywhere near me. And I actually find it very funny that this is my job, and I'm coaching people of how to behave appropriately in the hospital as an adoptive parent when I'm like. 
It was so hard for me as an adoptive parent to be in the hospital. I have never given birth to a child. I have lost five children myself. Yeah. Like I've never, I've never done this. So here I am like helping expectant moms how to navigate the hospital. I'm like, Lord Jesus, I have never done this before. Please give me the wisdom because I don't super know what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> and he has, he has every time he has like helped me like, be what moms need me to be in that minute and like say what they need me to say in that moment and that okay. is all of him for sure so once the child is born um i then i give them a little time moms a little time to rest um and then i go to the hospital the adoptive family is usually somewhere on the premises and we sign what's called temporary placement paperwork this allows the child to leave the hospital with the adoptive family and then i submit it to court and it um, it it just alerts the court that an adoption that a child is in a home, right. um, and that we but mom has not signed anything like she hasn't or she signed the paper but she's not terminated her parental rights. Um, so our agency, I wait like a week or two um, after the child is born. I let mom go home. I let her hormones settle down before she is invited back to meet with myself and an attorney to do what's called an out-of-court consent. We do an out-of-court consent in our agency. Um, I mean, lots of agencies do it. I'm not saying that we're special. <laughs> but right. we. I really advocate for that because it keeps mom, for the most part, part, from going to court. So she's not having to go before a judge and like hear whatever nonsense he is going to throw into the situation. Like she's not having to sit there and like already be sad and then hear whatever, right? you know, if he's like fought with his spouse that day and he's had like his breakfast isn't settled right with him, like he's going to say something terrible to her and I want to protect her. From that. I love that idea. You're just in, in the, the confines of, of CFS and yes. you're meeting with the attorney. It's, it's, you still have, there's still a legal process that you yes. have, you've got to cross that T and dot that I, but you're not doing it in Oakland County yeah. or Wayne County or something. And, yeah. so and it's a place that they've already been before. They've already been to our office, um, usually. Um, if mom can't get to us, like I will meet with her, but um, like out where she is. Um, but for the most part, they make it to our <laughs> to our office. And so they for the attorney to come and um, so we do out of court consent. Mom then has five business days to change her mind. Okay. Uh, and it has to be in writing to myself or the attorney. That attorney then becomes her legal representation in court. If she has to go to court, she then has her own legal representation. It's This is wild, but in the state of Michigan, I, as an adoption worker, can represent mom and the adoptive parents in court. Lawyers can't do that. Only I can, which is wild to me because yes. I have no legal training whatsoever. Um, but it's something that the state of Michigan allows. So we like that we do this out of court consent because it gives mom her own legal representation because if she has questions or she feels like if there was something that I said that she like felt was coercive or I mean, I really try hard not to be right. but like, what if I mean, what if I didn't know I said something that was coercive and she had questions, she has her own person that she can um, then call and ask those questions to. So uh, once the consent papers are signed, the whole petition is sent to court, the adoption petition. Um, parental rights, a hearing for parental rights is scheduled. Um, mom, her her record has already been recorded in the documents we've sent, so she doesn't have to go to court. Dad, 
we have to have a dad in the state of Michigan. We can't just say we don't know. So there can be a legal father, which means the mom was married at the time of conception, or the baby was already born and the dad um, signed, I forgot what it's called, a paternity, an affidavit, an affidavit of parentage. Okay. And his name gets put on the birth certificate. So those are legal fathers. Legal fathers have to do everything that a mom does to terminate parental rights. Okay. Anyone else that she says could possibly be the dad is a punitive father. And it could be a situation where she was married at the time of conception, but there were five other guys that might be the dad of this baby. And we have to do our due diligence to contact all of them and see what their status is. If they're interested in custody, if they're not. Um, and so we we have to do our due, due diligence. If we show up to court and we haven't done that, they're not, we're going to have to reschedule because <laughs> the, the judge is not going to be happy with us. So that, that's, um, that is a very thorough process. And I'm, I'm just uh, thrilled with how see, you know, Christian family services handles this. You're, you're literally, you want what's best for the birth mom. You want what's best for the adoptive parents. And uh, in, in the minute we have left here, Sarah Harputley, sure. um, the best, way to get in touch with you if our listeners have questions on the adoption process would they call you at the office is that the best way or email what no i'm never there <laughs> um since covid i've really like so during covid i was homeschooling my kids and trying to do my job and so i i mean you um you can see where i am i know the listeners can't see where i am but like i'm in my home office this is where i'm i love to be so i have um my email is the best way to get a hold of me and it's sarah S-A-R-A-H at C as in cat, F as in Frank, S as in Sam, or Christian Family Services. So CFS dash Michigan all spelled out dot org. I don't know if you have show notes or something you can put that in because it's kind we, of long. We we are going to put that at the bottom of, uh, of oh, the screen when we uh, when we get this out to everybody. And um, Sarah, I just want to thank you so much for being our guest on the It's a Grand Life. Um, we're going to ask you to come back and share actual success stories of the adoption yeah. process, how it's worked. And and I'm really looking forward to that. But friends, uh, you, you know, if you're considering adoption, I hope you'll consider Christian Family Services. I think you can see how they are very transparent and they, they are for the whole family, all the parties involved. And um, they're what you would call doing it to others the same way they would want it done to them. So uh, I hope you've enjoyed our program today, Sarah. Thank you so much for being our guest. And we're going to see you next time on It's a Grand Life. Thank you for joining us for another It's a Grand Life. Remember to never waste your pain. God can use your situation to bless others even halfway around the world. Be sure and subscribe to It's a Grand Life on our Facebook page, as well as YouTube and any of the various podcast channels that feature the Grand Life podcast. When it comes to raising a grand family, remember the words of the Apostle Paul, who said in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. In leading your grand family, it's going to take faith, hope, and a whole lot of love. Please reach out to me. I can be a blessing to you and pray for you or help you connect to free resources that can make your journey a little easier.